Welcome to the Kashrus recording class. Today's class is dedicated to Chus Rivka Bas Esther Aden. Today's class will cover a number of topics, including the following coffee shops, canned products, spices, grape flavor grape essence, grape concentrate, and the difference, cream of tartar, and grapeseed oil. Let's begin. With regards to coffee shops, can one go into a coffee shop to buy a black coffee? This question encompasses a few different questions. The first question we're going to address within this question is the question of Maris Ayin, which means to say, is a Jew doing something that does not look appropriate that could lead some other person, Jewish person, to think that what they're doing is forbidden or they're doing a forbidden thing and therefore deduce from there that they may be do they may be able to do the forbidden thing also if it doesn't look right. So with regards to Marasayan, which means the way it appears to the eye, there are some differences between a male and a female. Uh, a woman who's dressed modestly is not necessarily labeled as a religious woman. You have some non-Jewish women who dress modestly also. Um, if you have a, a man with a beard and a yarmulke and payas, it's pretty much written all over their face that they are religious. With regards to going into a coffee shop, if they just sell coffee and pastries, there's no issue of maris ayin of going into a coffee shop because coffee is kosher. Going into a non-kosher restaurant is a problem of maris ayin. So if you're going to an establishment that is known as a coffee shop, then it's acceptable to walk in there. If it's a non-kosher restaurant, it's not acceptable to walk in there. Now, the next question is regarding the actual equipment that are used. With regards to black coffee one needs to verify a basic piece of information. Is the black coffee coming from a dedicated urn just for black coffee? Usually, this is the case. Now, if you're going to get black coffee from a dedicated urn, if it's a large urn, it's probably going to be washed by itself, unless the company has a large dishwasher in the back, which is also a possibility. Now, with regards to washing the equipment... If they, manu- if they sell non-kosher products and they're washing the kalim together, even though they're using soap, it's not a very gishmak, it's not a very good thing. But if they're washing with soap, and especially if they're washing by hand, it's something that one can get away with. Um, when you're buying coffee, black coffee from, let's say, a Starbucks that also sells non-kosher sandwiches, that makes non-kosher sandwiches, that's a much more complicated situation because there you have actual treif, the raisa, that's being handled and equipment may be washed together and that's a much more of a serious issue and that there is room to stay away unless you know it's a dedicated urn that's not being washed with the other equipment. In addition, if you're getting one of those coffees where there's frothing involved, you have to make sure that the mechanism that's used to heat up the soy milk, if it's going to be parv, is not the same mechanism that's used to heat up milk that's not chol of Yisrael because one is not allowed to use the same equipment because we are makbid 
we are careful not to use the same equipment for non-chol of Yisrael and for parts. Another thing to be aware of is some of these coffee companies also have some of these soy milks that they sell are not par. They could be dairy equipment, which is also an issue. And also you have the other issue is if if they're carrying chol of Yisrael milk, if you have a brand new bottle that you're opening in front of yourself, that's fine. You cannot rely upon a open bottle of milk being, being left in the hands of a person who's not Shemer Shabbos or Lahavdal, someone who's not Jewish, to keep that there. There's been many stories where Chol of Yisrael bottles were emptied and then they were filled up with milk that was not Chol of Yisrael, just for convenience purposes or to save money. And therefore, one needs to be careful. Next topic, with regards to canned products, for example, canned peas, canned corn, canned green beans, the ingredients just say water and salt. What is, does that need a heksha? The answer is that all canned vegetables do need a heksha because they're cooked. They're cooked in a retort system where they basically go under like an underground well and they're cooked in, when, once the product is already in a can and there's boil, it's, it's, it's sitting in a, in a huge vat of boiling water. That same water could be used to cook non-kosher products also. It's done in what's called a cannery, and some canneries do can non-kosher products. Some non-kosher products could be forbidden midrabon and rabbinically, and sometimes even midraisa from the Torah. And therefore, canned vegetables need a hechsher. Canned fruit in its own juice, generally speaking, is not cooked, and therefore is, is a little bit more, a much more of a lenient type of a situation. With regards to spices, now we move on to the next topic. Spices, do spices need a hechsher? So, first of all, for Pesach, spices need a hechsher, yes, categorically yes. For year-round use, whole spices, if they're not coming from Eretz Yisrael, which most of the time they're not, but they, they are fine without a hechsher, so you can buy whole peppercorns and the like, no issue. Um, if you have ground spices, they do often have what's called an anti-caking agent. They may put a silicone in there to prevent the spices from clumping together. It's not a major shayla. One can get away with using spices without a heksher for year-round use. It's better to get with a heksher if one has the ability to do so. With regards to spices, I just want to add also, one, if you're buying spices, let's say from a, a health food store where they're, they're sold loose, if they're sold in an open bin, I would recommend not buying them because you have a greater chance of having infestation in them. If they're sold in a closed package, it should be fine. When pouring spices onto a hot pot, one should be careful not to pour directly onto the steam, a steaming pot, first of all, because it may be a fleshing a steam issue. And But so also, you don't want to get hot moisture into a spice because that could introduce a problem of breeding insects, etc., and webbing. The next topic would be grape flavor. There's a common misconception amongst consumers thinking that grape flavor needs to be handled more delicately than orange flavor or strawberry flavor. It's a myth. Grape flavor, whenever you have the word flavor attached to the word grape, it means it's not grape. So if it's grape flavor, it means it's a flavor that's designed to simulate the taste of grape, but it's not actually grape. Whereas grape seed, whereas grape concentrate or grape essence is grape itself and of course needs to have a very good hechsha. So grape flavor 
is just like any other flavor which needs a heksha, but it's not particularly sensitive, any more sensitive than orange flavor or strawberry flavor or the like. And now we move on to the last two subjects, that of cream of tartar and grapeseed oil. Let's begin with cream of tartar. What is cream of tartar? And let's go through all the details. Cream of tartar, also, which, which comes from tartaric acid, is the dried out sediment stones of wine. The Gemara brings down that once it's dried out for 12 months, it may be used because it's, it, it's considered to be like a new thing and there's no, there's no wine left into it. And based on that, people use this particular ingredient, even though it's originally coming from non-kosher wine, but it's been dried out for 12 months, it may be used in kosher production after 12 months. Today's process is mechanically dried with ovens, so it involves a second heter, which national hechsherim allow under certain circumstances of mechanical drying, which simulates the process of a 12-month drying. But with this, there's certainly room to be mahader, to, to be stringent and to avoid because not everybody agrees that a mechanical process of drying is equal to a drying out of 12 months. With regards to grapeseed oil, it's also a sensitive, sensitive product in kashras because the seed, the, the seed itself is coming from non-kosher grape skins. The seed itself is permissible unless it's sat in wine. Therefore, we, we don't use the seed because often it sits in wine. The Chassam Seifer, who was a famous Pesach from a few hundred years ago, a, a famous halachic authority, he says that the oil of the seed is considered separate from the seed and therefore may be used. And based on that, the oil of the seed is used. However, that has to be done very carefully because white grapes, white grapes typically usually get separated right away and therefore the oil could be used because the grapes, the seeds are not soaking in the wine and therefore the oil remains separate. However, red grapes typically are problematic because they often are soaked in with the wine itself, and therefore the oil is affected. And these are some of the issues that involve in that. Therefore, grapeseed oil, there's also room to be machmer, to be stringent, and to avoid. Of course, if someone is in a situation where they need it for health reasons, etc., that may, of course, that's a factor that they should weigh in carefully and have proper guidance on their rav. Thank you.